Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterlund, and I'm your host. And today our guest is Tish Marsh, who is also the author of the YouTube channel called Ask Pharmacist Tish. She's going to come on and share her own struggle with addiction, specifically opioid addiction, after some medical procedures and how she was a high-functioning addict, also a pharmacist who was working with these drugs daily and the struggle she went through and her own bottom and how she got out of that and how she's taken that experience to help other people, specifically the homeless population where she interviews them about their story, validates their trauma, listens to them, is non-judgmental and has a relationship and advocates for mental health and addiction treatment and addiction help and support, especially in this very vulnerable population. This is a very inspiring episode to see how someone can take their own experience, even if it's painful and hard, and make it really meaningful to help others. So I really hope you enjoy it. And if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please write a review in iTunes, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. I really do appreciate it. I do read them. It's really meaningful. I think we're over 400 reviews, which really just kind of blows me away to, to be able to see that and to know that that people are listening to these episodes and, and getting a lot out of them. That's really meaningful to me. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing that. And think about joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join and continue the conversation online. All right, everyone, let's go ahead and start this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. I am here with Tish Marsh of Ask Pharmacist Tish. Yes. She is going to introduce herself, but she's going to talk about her own story of addiction, being a pharmacist, being a professional, and still struggling with addiction and working in this field. And then also talk about her advocacy work with people who are struggling with addiction. So Tish, yes. introduce yourself. Hey, thank you so much, Dwayne, for having me on, first of all. 
My name is Leticia, or I call myself Tish. I'm with the organization Ask Pharmacist Tish. I am a community pharmacist from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I appreciate being here today. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So let's just jump right in and talk about your story because you struggled with addiction. Right. Yes, I did. It kind of wrecked a havoc on your life. Yes, it did. It was like a monkey that will ride, ride until you flatten <laughs> out. It just don't stop riding until you're done, basically. If yep. you catch it, unless you catch it in time. But everything yeah. started with me. You know, I was, you know, the typical pharmacist, professional going to work, you know, helping people from a community aspect. And, you know, I was having a kid, being married, just typical day-to-day -day stuff. And then one day, I was diagnosed with a congenital heart disease, meaning oh. I was born with a heart disease. Yeah. So that's how the rabbit hole started. You know, I went through the surgery. Everything just went haywire. Supposed to be in the hospital for four days. Ended up in the hospital because I had like a rare reaction to heparin. So, you know, I won that lottery. Oh it's like gosh. a rare lottery that I won. It wasn't money. It was a heparin lottery. The heparin it did the <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's called yeah. HIP. HIT. Yeah. Heparin-induced thrombocytopenia with thrombosis. So basically, my body, instead of using heparin to even out my blood and keep it thin during the surgery, it caused blood clots to shoot everywhere. And they just could not control it. They didn't know what was going on. And so they were pushing me with more heparin to kind of get rid of those blood clots that were formed, which was, it was a mess, Duane, okay? Oh, so, my gosh. So that oh, caused me to be gosh. in the hospital. Yeah, so that caused me to be in the hospital for over a month. So needless to say, you know, I almost lost my leg to it. it you know, the pain was indescribable, you know, near death, the whole night. So my journey wow. with my pain pill addiction started with the typical having to go to a pain clinic. So are you familiar with the pain clinic, correct? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's a good thing. It has its uses. But, you know, you can get caught up in the cycle of it because their job is to take care of your pain. And if you keep saying you have pain, you're going to keep being on pain medication. And if you right. try to transition off, they kind of don't know what to do from that point. So I just, I was on pain medications for 10 years, for over 10 wow. years. Wow, wow. So I was on hydrocodone or Vicodin. I was on Tramadol and wow. our ultra, our, was it, Ultram. And I was on mm. OxyContin around the clock every day of my life for the last for 10 years. And before this, this wasn't an issue. So you had this medical condition that came, right. came out of, like you said, you hit the lottery. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're in this dynamic where... I mean, you're in pain, you're in physical pain, and yes. you need something to help you. Right, and yet here's this whole thing that starts to unwind. Right. So I knew it was an addiction where, you know, the thing with pain medication and having pain, it's like, if you don't have, okay, so everything from my surgery just kind of really messed with me mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, because I almost lost my life. You know, I have the scar down my chest, you know, enjoyed my girls looking decent and everything. I have the scar, you know, so it kind of, you know, had me Then a lot of my traumas from the past, you know, things I didn't have like a bad childhood at all. I don't want to say that at all. Right. But, you know, right. things that weren't yeah. necessarily completed in my life or that can, you know, just it just really showed this ugly head and it was easy to escape. 
with right. the pain. You know, I was in a marriage that I probably wasn't really satisfied with um, or just was going through. So it just was easy to escape, unfortunately. Yeah. So I knew I had an addiction when I wanted to stop. And I felt like my pain wasn't, was it just didn't match up to the three types of pain pills I was on every day. I didn't need Oxycontin. I didn't need Tramadol. And I didn't need Hydrocodone around the clock all day. For The pain was basically, it's still there, but it wasn't that intense for all of that. Right. But it kept you out of all that emotional pain. It was a great escape. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it, 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 the escape, I mean, you don't think about anything and it's like when you have an addiction like that it just become where you i call it being a vampire it's like it's hard to describe where it's all these necks around but you know you you know that's how i felt like being yeah. in a pharmacy can you imagine being a pharmacist <laughs> i that's what i wanted to ask you next because <laughs> here you are this is like the best thing ever because it takes away all of your pain you can forget about life you don't have to worry about all the stress you don't have to worry about anything Nothing. And yet it's all around you. You're a professional. You're licensed. Yes. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, what, right. a, what a combination. You're right. So it's been opportunities or situations rather where I didn't have because I'm I was a high functioning addict. Bottom line, period. OK, so I could still put my white coat on. I can still go to work. And I did. a I still did a darn good job because I've been doing it forever. But at the same right. time where, you know, you know, you're going to end up hitting rock bottom. You don't have those kind of addictions and just go off into the sunset. It's going to come to a head. And that's, you know, so just being in that environment where I would miss a prescription, where I didn't make it to my appointment because I'm still high function. I'm still trying to play the part of being normal and not having an addiction. So, oh, I missed my appointment. OK, well, I can do without it. Next thing you know, I'm having the worst wicked withdrawals. I mean, I can't function. My nose is running. My stomach is retching. So that's when I knew I had a full-blown addiction. And then the mental escape wasn't there. Just for yeah. that day, everything I was going through in my life, all of the things I pushed down deep below surfaced up just that quickly. And you go into panic mode. So, yeah. It's almost like are you kind of like a, a rebound effect? You've, you've been pushing this down, kind of pushing this down, and then when you get, you start going through. I guess the drugs start leaving your system. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it starts rebounding back, and you're like, "I need another neck to bite on because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna make it. Give me it, find it." Right, you become very primitive if you don't have the, those medications or whatever you're addicted to you become is you're very primitive you go back to the caveman it's like you can't think straight everything is tunnel vision everything is not to go through those withdrawal symptoms everything is about survival you're in survival mode so it was very very hard working in a pharmacy where like i call it the candy store i mean it was Oxycontin galore. There is hydrocodones galore. I miss my prescription. I have zero prescriptions. I have to work a 12-hour shift. I'm counting them. I'm looking at them. But I knew <laughs> that that was not a road to go down. And because I was a pharmacist, that kind of helped me separate the addiction from myself, basically. I didn't take it personally. And I understand it was the nature of the beast. It was the nature of the drug to make me feel that way and don't feed into that. So being a pharmacist really helped me with my addiction, actually. 
so kind of knowing how the drugs work, yes. you were able to have some insight into your own addictive process exactly. that maybe someone who doesn't have that knowledge doesn't get. So you could yes. kind of see it from a different perspective and kind of start to go, wait a minute, something, this isn't this, I'm seeing what's going on. Exactly. And that's the beauty of, I created a course to help with this because if I, if I wasn't a pharmacist, I think I would have been, and even pharmacists fall into it. Doctors fall into it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. Addiction will grab you. And if you don't know how to wrestle with it, it's going to pull you down with it. But because I use my no pharmacist knowledge, I'm like, okay, I know what Oxycontin is about. It helps with pain, but just like any relationship you have, What's going to be the downfall? What's the bad side of it? And it's to cause right. euphoria. It's to cause addiction. It's to pull you in. So knowing that, that really helped out a lot to separate myself from the drug and to help me beat the addiction for over three years now. Wow, that's that's amazing. How did you start to like? When did you like start to say this? This is this is really bad. I I did you get professional help? And did you no, go get professional? I, I, yeah, myself, myself. <laughs> Okay. I was my right. own self help. So when I knew I was about to hit rock bottom, probably on my third husband. <laughs> okay, on your third husband. You're like, all right, I, I, I got an issue here. <laughs> when I keep getting married, it's just, I mean, my insight was gone. It's like, you know, I know how to work. I know how to still be a pharmacist. I know how to keep my nose clean. I knew how to still be a mother. But when it came to relationships, like, you know, I I went through three divorces during that 10 year span. I was wow. just loving and leaving. I was just, and this was all because of the addiction. It was probably, it were they were great guys, but they probably weren't guys I would have chose outside of the addiction. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it's now when you have an addiction, you become more manipulative. So I didn't want a man that was going to be all up in my business. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, what's going on with these bills? I don't want to hear that. So I probably probably chose men who, you know, with, it yeah. probably wasn't that hard. But yeah, so that's when I knew, when I was not present for my daughter like I used to be. But rock bottom for me was all of the husbands. That, 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 yeah. was, that just wasn't healthy. And I just, that's you know, kind of where it like was in your face. You had to address it. You're like, look, this isn't how, you know, I've got these men who aren't working for me <laughs> and you know, yeah, you don't want them to call you out on your addiction. Right. I mean, no, you don't we're want not them to having do that. that. Like, yeah, we're not, get out of here. And then, and then, but that's, was that, that was, that was what was in your face. I mean, that's really right. kind of how I spoke to you. And then you said, okay, I got to make some changes. So how did you start to make changes? Like I said, I really took the time to separate myself from the addiction itself. I understand with addiction, it rewires the brain. As they call it, it hijacks your brain. So I really broke down the science of addiction. I just knew I had to stop all of the husbands. I mean, how many times can I miss a prescription and work with the drugs and not go down a rabbit hole? of no return, yeah. losing my license, losing everything I work hard for, you know, having that embarrassment, you know, having my daughter go through that with me, you know, I just, yeah. it just, you know, so my profession really helped me tighten up because I knew that I had too much to lose. But like I said, it really helped with knowing that it's the science behind the addiction. Don't, a lot of times with addiction, we take it personally. We right. take it personally. We think it's a moral failing, but addiction is a chronic disease. You know, yeah. 
and being able to see that, like separate that and not go into all that shame that just feeds the addictive process again, just makes it worse. And then you just feel worse about yourself. And then you just need more drugs to feel better. And it just like, it's, it's a mess. Right. And that was, and that was really, I I actively was high functioning. I did not want people to, because you don't want to lose your integrity. Um, because yeah. once people f- know that you have a full-blown addiction, it's like, oh, and are they always like looking at you side eye? I didn't want to go through that that rabbit hole with, you know, so I didn't want people to know. So I silently did my research. I silently, you know, like, listen, use your pharmacist knowledge for, you know, you know the drugs. You know the drugs better. I'm the drug expert. You know that OxyContin is going to grab you and pull you in. So I'm not going to let this one little dusty pill that d- d- that goes away in your system in minutes control my life it's big me little pill uh-uh I, that, that, I think that was the thing where i had to pull in my hand i'm like that let this little thing control me you're like no <laughs> and way that, and, i'm not doing and, it yeah that's yeah the third the, th- the me the million husbands and the in the pill being i'm bigger than it i'm like no 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 that, enough right. of that enough of that <laughs> enough of that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this pill where it's at. So tell me, t- tell me a little bit like, I guess what I'm curious about mm-hmm. is, you know, being a professional and keeping your addiction hidden from everyone yes. and living that dual life. Like you've got this thing going on in the background, but as mm-hmm. a professional, no one knows or right. maybe people had some insight. I don't know. Maybe you know oh, now. No, but- I don't think so because they, you know, I, I work with big companies, you know, but there's controls and checks. They make sure the controls are accounted for, accounted right, for. Right. So, you know, nothing went missing. So it really, really wasn't any big deal. I was still giving excellent customer service, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> well, what about people close to you or, or family? Did they have any idea that anything was going on or you keep this, you kept this completely under wraps? Like, oh yeah. No I didn't want to lose. I didn't want to lose my, I mean, of course my daughter, you know, if I didn't get my prescription and after a long day at work, working with the medications and you didn't have one and you come home, yeah, <laughs> you know, nose is draining, you know, I'm going to be a little cranky. <laughs> so, you know, she would know that. But for, for the most part, I dare not tell anyone, dare not just I, I didn't want to admit to had a problem. I was it was yeah. a shame of how did I let myself go down this road? You know, and that's the big thing with addiction. You get so embarrassed and you know it's the stigma because you know people gonna look at it's just human nature it's just what it is you know so that's why i developed a program where you can take care of it from the comfort and privacy of your home because i think that knocks out a lot of barriers so yeah so just knowing the the mindset know know what the drugs are learn about the drugs learn their personality everything has a personality every pill has a personality everything is good everything has a bad to it Yes, it helps you with pain, but what's the flip side? You may become addicted. Okay, now you're addicted. What are you gonna do about it? It's the nature of the beast. Don't take it personal. Back away from you know, back away from the stigma. What you gonna do about it? You know? So Yeah, so take that action into your own hands. How do people respond to you now that, you know, you're very open about this and mm-hmm. you're doing you have a YouTube channel and yeah. you're, so that has to be kind of how did I just come out like, like, yeah. with it? <laughs> yeah, like, boom, I, you know, Hey, by the way, everybody, uh, I've been struggling with addiction for 10 years and you don't know. Because you when know. you, 
Because when you've been beat down with addiction, because like I said, it's like a monkey riding your back and it will ride until you just flatten out. Okay. So once you pick yourself back up and you have your insight back, you have your mental clarity back, you don't care who you, I am. So I'm just so glad to be out of it. Like, I'm so glad, you know, and you, I, you don't mind telling people I want to help people because I understand living a life without purpose and your only purpose is to get, to get a pill or to get that drug of choice. That is lame. And I want people to know that there is the other side of addiction and it's better than the life you had before. Like I would right. have never mingled and and not have a fearlessness of being with the homeless. A lot of people are like, how do you do that? Aren't you afraid? I go there, out there by myself, hang out with them and they ingratiate to me. They, they love me. I love them. When you have addiction, if you've gone through all of that mental turmoil and hell, you come out the other side fearless. So I don't, I just, I don't have any shame. I don't care because, you know, if I didn't have the addiction, I would not be where I am today, to be honest with you. To be able to appreciate that and then kind of transition to that other side because you see all the, all the value. And then, and then I think you're right when we go through that kind of suffering and pain and we find the other side, it's like we want to share it with other people. We know what pain they're in. And it's like, well, come on, there's a way out. Like, let's go, let's do this. Come with me. And so one of the things that you do, uh, like on your YouTube channel is Mm -hmm. you're you're working with homeless people and and talking to them and and like getting their story. How did that start to happen? What, What made you decide to like start to do these interviews and reach out to these individuals? So it started while I was working my way out of my own addiction. And once you start getting your mental clarity, okay, so there's three phases of life. There's the life before addiction, and you just mm. bumping around in life. You work in, you have the wife or kid, the husband, kids, puppies, whatever. And you just live in life. It's like whatever. And then you go through this hellhole of addiction. And then you realize, hold up, life can be really good. Like, you know, you kind of found out, you're finding out what you, what life is really about when you almost, when you lost the integrity of the life itself. Like I didn't have any integrity in my life. I had no purpose. I was just bumping around and I saw that. And so I'm like, you know, when I, if I can get my second chance at life, I'm going to do something with purpose. And so now, you know, I've always gone to these nice restaurants, you know, downtown Charlotte, and I would see the homeless people. And that just would always intrigue me that I'm coming out this five-star restaurant and then I see people wanting food. They want my leftovers. They, you know, I'm, and I always wanted to know their backstory and I'm nosy too. Yeah. So, <laughs> you <nosy>. know, <laughs> and I'm nosy. So I just like, you know, I just want to get their backstory. And then I start to realize, hold up, these people, they're not just homeless. They have mental health issues. They have deep rooted addictions because of said mental health issues. And that just really got me geared up to want to get this story, to bring awareness, to get more help so I can, you know, be able to help the community more in that aspect. So not just about housing, but it's about getting to the root of the issue. And that's what I'm about. What was my root problem? What was my root problem? Yeah, we were talking before we started recording. And you were talking about one of the themes that you had seen in in all of these interviews that you do. And you were talking about all of these people that I interview, they have this early trauma, this early childhood trauma over and over and over and over, over and over. And you hear that story. What's it like going through that experience with them? 
it's um sometimes I come home. I mean, I'm pretty tough, you know, like, as you know, I'm a, I was high functional and I can just tough it out and act like nothing is wrong. But it's it's hard. It's hard. Like they didn't. I, I came from a good home, from a good upbringing. And I had the little things that bothered me. I enjoy escaping when I would, you know, had my addiction issues. I cannot imagine having, you know, being, you know, abused as a child, being neglected. That's just amazing. And they still have the spirit of joy, the spirit, you know, and they want to talk about it. They want to get it off their chest. It's, sometimes it just, I come home, I'm drained because it's phenomenal how people actually grew up it even well put together families, they go through all this molestation and all this abuse. And it's like, woo, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, and I don't, and, and it, now they're addicted. I mean, who wants to feel that pain of being a three-year-old, you know, a five-year-old going through the things they've gone through, you know? So it's it's rough, but I enjoy because I, I want to absorb their pain because I can take it. You know, and they feel better, you know, and it's like a family. I go out there, they come right to my car right away and we just hug, we talk, you know, I record, you know, we, I'll give out some items and stuff like that. And it's a family, you know, I, I'm so proud that they accepted me a part of their homeless community and they'll come and give me updates on what's going on with them. And it, it's on me. I'm so glad I went through crap. I went through hell with my addiction. But I, I'm so glad where I am now on the other end of it, because I would never be doing anything like this. I'll be too afraid. I'll be scared, yeah. you know, but addiction yeah. and coming out of that, you're like, Whew, whatever. What, what next? What are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do? And <laughs> I, I imagine, <laughs> you know, like you said, I mean, these these individuals, they have a story that needs to be heard yes. and needs to be told and witnessed. And their pain needs to be validated and seen. Yes. And, right. and like you're going out there and through your own experience, I don't know, pulling up the courage, whatever it is. And you're going out there and you're witnessing all of that suffering and giving yes, them a voice so and maybe giving them some relief in that moment. Yeah. Just some, someone cares. I mean, I do like simple, you know, I don't show it on camera, but I do like simple things like pass out ice cream. I mean, yeah. when you eat ice cream. You you can't be sad while you eat ice cream now. I can't think of you. You never see someone like eating ice cream crying. You know what I'm saying? Except you're a spoiled brat kid. I mean, but you know when you eat ice cream, your mind is is on ice cream and being happy, especially when it's hot as sin outside, like we talked about with that humidity. You know, just giving them that voice, to give them that, make them feel good for that moment. And you know, sometimes people disparage the channel and like, well, you're exploiting them or whatnot, but. If people don't get this story, how do you bring awareness? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And awareness I've gotten from it is, is not about unaffordable housing all the time. That's a major part of it. Now, I'm not going to take that away. Unaffordable housing is a yeah. big crisis with the homelessness. But what I've realized is, is the thing that my purpose is to do, to expose or to bring to the surface the mental health that needs to be treated. And the addiction that needs to be treated from that to get out of the homelessness. That's what they need. It's, do you not know how many people with schizophrenia that's out there that's untreated? So yeah. bipolar. I mean, everyone out there has bipolar almost. Everyone, yeah. like 99% of the people have childhood trauma, men and women. The yeah. men, just as much as the women, 
abused by their own fathers and their own mothers. Amazing. You know, and of course they're going to do some crack. (laughs) It's not right, but how are you supposed to when you have no place to go, when your mind is so wrapped up into trying to survive day to day? How, what are you supposed to do? You know, no one's yeah. helping. You know, everyone's just trying to put you in the house, but you can't stay in the house if your mind isn't right. You're going to go back to the family you know on the streets because it's comfortable yeah. and it's safe. And that's yeah. all you ever kind of knew was chaos. Right, right. And so. being able to being able to see that. And, and you know, I, I was watching your YouTube channel and I, I never, ever thought that of being exploitive of these people. I, I, oh, I saw yeah. such compassion and kindness and just acceptance of all of these individuals just being like, you know, you you are welcome here as you are and let's hear your story. That could have been me. I I meet people out there that used to be like this one gentleman. He was like, he know chemistry better than I did. He wanted to politic about chemistry. I'm like, dude, it's too hot for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I don't, right. I mean, I didn't want to talk about it when I was good. So now I don't do one. I don't want to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just and it's all these brilliant minds out there. But that childhood trauma, and a lot of the people they started drugs when they were like seven and eight, alcoholics at seven to eight years old. I mean, doing I crack at eleven, twelve, having to join gangs. They got beaten to joining gangs phenomenal. And I think they understand that softness in me because I can relate to them. I understand what they need. I understand their escape and I don't judge them at all because I understand they need it. They need it. It's not right and it's not healthy, but they need it for that moment. And my purpose and my job is to get to the root of their problem, which is that mental health and addiction and get them to be healthy and whole and to live a day-to-day life in society. So that's my big scheme goal. (laughs) <laughs> to help out with that. That's awesome. And and bringing a, awareness to this issue on a very human level to, to be able to see the the themes that come up that, like you said, there's a deeper issue here. It's not, yes, housing is the issue, but you got to do all the work that you got to get the support to walk through that trauma, stop the abuse, stop the trauma, treat mental health mm-hmm. uh, as it is, as, as, a, as a serious issue, give people the opportunity to get that support and something that really lacks in our, you know, especially I think in the United States. Yeah. And just talking about it. I mean, they feel good talking about it. Like I said, I'll drive up and it's like, they just chirp, 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 just this telling me, you know, and, I, and that's okay. Because I know they need to talk to someone outside of the community just to kind of get a real, can I, and I be real with them. I'm like, well, maybe if you leave the crack alone, you know, I joke around with, you know, ah, <laughs> maybe stop prostituting, right. you know, I'll joke around with them. I mean, we're so real, you know, <laughs> and I love it. I mean, because they understand me and I understand them, but I don't judge them, but I still let them know, you know, this is, you know, ladies, I'm not the prostituting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, you, you know, know when we can, we can look at these in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> right. Come on. Start going this way. I mean, I think that we can, you know, when we're not feeling judged, we can, we can listen, we can hear right. the feedback that's painful. Like we don't want to see in ourselves, like we all uh-huh. have parts of ourselves we don't like, or we're ashamed of or whatever that maybe don't help us and we need that feedback and when someone can tell us that in a non-judgmental way mm-hmm. we're more open to be able to receive it and maybe make those changes uh, we have the freedom to make the changes i guess right a little yeah. easier 
Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they still do what they do, in, you know, whatever with yeah. me. It's like, okay, whatever. I mean, but they know, I mean, the love is there and I respect them. I respect them and I respect their process. And it's nothing to judge. We all human. And I'm just, I, I'm blessed that I didn't grow up with that childhood trauma that can ruin my whole life. Like is doing theirs, you know, but I would love to be able to get them to where, you know, meet them where they are and to let them know there's hope on the other side. Yes, you had the childhood trauma. I'm so sorry that your mom, I'm so sorry that your dad did this to you. I'm so sorry your foster parents did this to you. I'm so, so sorry. But what we going, but there's life on the other end of that. And you're still alive. You still have a purpose. And they're excited too. They're like, okay, Ted, so when you do this or do that, I want to work with you. I was like, who else is going to get to work with me? Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, y'all already know what the deal is. I tell y'all, you know, it's like a little family. I'm like, okay, no, I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, okay. And they try to help me out to give me ideas. They're amazing. The human, the homeless community, they're actually amazing people and they're fun too. <laughs> That's, that is so awesome. Tish. Wow. Thank you so much for the work you're doing and, and all that you're you're given you. to people. And, and it's just amazing. And you're, you're so inspiring. Before we go, I usually mm-hmm. like to ask like one question of my okay. guests at the end. And it's, if someone out there is struggling or, or okay. maybe they're in a position that, that you were in or whatever, and you could tell them one thing, what would be the one thing you'd want to say to them? Don't take it personal. Don't take it personally. Don't take right. it personal. I think there's Don't a song out there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's just it's this addiction. It's just yeah. like diabetes. It's just like high blood pressure or whatever. I mean, it's okay, you have an addiction. What are you gonna do about it? Stop having a pity party or stop hiding or whatever. What are you gonna do about it? There are things you can do about it. It's just like a it's a chronic disease. It's not a moral failing. That's what I want people to know. It's not a moral failing. Get it done. Get a purpose. Do something else. This addiction is lame. Do something else. Mm. Do something else. I love it. Awesome. Get a purpose. Do something else. Yeah. So where where can people find you? Because you also have a course on all of this stuff to educate people on all the different drugs and all that stuff. So talk a little bit about that and and where people can find that if they want that information and where they can find your YouTube channel about all the videos we've been talking about. Okay. So y'all please check out the YouTube channel. It's called Ask pharmacist Tish and I speak to the homeless and just get their backstory and as Dwayne was so kind of mentioned you know it's just all about the backstory about the childhood traumas the addict just whatever their story is but they are very inspiring and it will give you a lift to the human spirit watching out of all the things they've gone through they still smile they still have joy and we're having a pretty good time behind the scenes but they still need help and they still need that care is mental health and trauma is a real thing. So, you know, let's focus in on that. And then this, you know, so check out my Ask Pharmacist Tish. Um, I do have a course um, that's coming out. It's called The Foundation Needed to End Your Loved One's Addiction. And it's for the family and friends of people who have addiction. I know they're pulling you by the nose <laughs> and their right. life is out of control. So therefore your life is out of control. So this course will give structure give a routine of how to deal with them to educate you. So when you're educated, so when they come to you, you don't go back and forth with them. You're calm, you're in control because you understand what they're going through and you can better herd them to the way of sobriety. 
So check out that course. It's on me on my Ask Pharmacist Stitch YouTube page. So it's in the description link. Yeah. All right. So yeah. And it's from a pharmacist and personal perspective. So you get to learn all about the drugs and just, you know, this is the only pharmacist course out there, I'm sure. And it's good. So check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I will put all of those links on theaddictedmind.com so people can check it out and they want more information about you and, and stuff like that. It'll all be there. So Tish, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your journey, sharing your story and sharing what you're doing. And I appreciate you, Dwayne. I love what you're doing here. And it's, it just feels good to, now I know how my homeless people feel. It does feel good to just get your story out and to release it because I'm not escaping anymore. So it's good to just talk it out. Yeah, <laughs> so I do appreciate the opportunity. For, <laughs> you got it for all of us right back at you. So thank you, Tish, so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you for listening to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be on the website, theaddictedmind.com. So go there and check it out. And if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, share it with a friend or write a review in iTunes or Stitcher or Google. Really do appreciate it. And join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join and continue the conversation online. All right, everyone, I hope you have a wonderful, meaningful day, and I will talk to you on the next episode. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.